Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the NetWorth Podcast, where we'll talk all things WTA and handicapping the WTA. Of course, as always, I'm Noops, and joined by my very good friend on the other side of the United States, Spread Astaire. How's it going, Spread? How was your week? It was a wonderful week because WTA TV broadcasted both Luxembourg and Moscow. I was able to see all of the matches. Can you imagine that? You pay for a streaming service for a tennis association and you get to watch actually all the matches. That's wonderful. It was exactly what I envisioned when I signed up. It was exactly what I'd hoped for. That's great. You know, you should send them a a thank you letter. (laughs) You know, I do send them a bunch of tweets complaining. I should send them a thank you. I'll do that when we're done. I think you should. I think a nice, wry, sarcastic sarcastic thanks for, (laughs) you know, doing your job would, would be really particularly great but I'm glad to hear you had a good week we had two really entertaining tennis tournaments Um, we'll start in Luxembourg where Julia Gorgeous uh, played really really fantastic tennis had some some big wins and some tough matches this week to defeat Belinda Bencic you know what did you think of Luxembourg this week spread well, I think that I didn't do a very well, good job uh, predicting it. Looking at my bracket beforehand, I I don't have any. It's all red from the quarterfinals on. Um, second week in a row that I've misdiagnosed injuries. So, um, while I might watch a lot of tennis, I'm obviously not a very good doctor because I thought that Gorgich would be hampered um, by some of the signs of injury she was showing the week before. She obviously wasn't. Um, she. Uh, you know, she was able to dust that off and move past my pick, Donna Vecic, in a very good match to get her into the quarterfinals. And uh, from there, she played really impressive. Um, uh, her win over Bouchard was very uh, fun to watch until the third set when she kind of uh, went away. But I know she was down. Uh, Bouchard was serving for the match at 5-4 in the second. Um, so it's closer than maybe the final scoreline looked. And, of course, the other finalist, Belinda Benchik, was... Uh, not someone that I expected, but someone who's had a lot of talent and uh, did very well in the junior circuit has been touted, you know, as kind of one of those rising stars. So it's good to see her kind of fulfilling her potential. And I think this week was an example of when she is on and when she's playing well, um, she can be a very formidable player. She beat three really good young players this week. Um, Araxta, uh, oh God, I screwed that up. Roos in the first round. Um, Vera <laughs> Lapko there in, in the third round. And um, Diana Yastremska just to make it to the finals. You know, three really impressive wins over three young talents that are playing some really nice tennis. And I got to watch a little bit of those matches. Um, and what I noticed was you know, Belinda Vencic really being a smarter tennis player. Um, going out there and really beating her opponent by creating a lot of points, moving them around, getting them to spots where they were uncomfortable. And then, you know, really either waiting for them to make a mistake or taking her time and getting absolutely where she wanted to be to hit the kill side so I thought she played a really really nice um, tournament and of course you mentioned Jeannie Bouchard we'd be remiss not to spend a little time talking about um, Canada's hero um, had an absolutely great tournament this week. You know, beat the pants off of Tamea Babos. I know a lot of us were, were uh, had some Babos money there. Then beat Carlos Suarez Navarro six one six zero. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but one of our uh, our very favorite listeners, Bo, uh, you can find at English Math PhD, I believe, was talking about how this is mathematically possibly one of the the biggest victories that anyone's ever had. Uh, zero unforced errors for the entire match and actually beat someone who also had a positive um, winner to loser count in Carlos Suarez Navarro. So a pretty impressive tournament by her, you know, up until that last setting, it's truly gorgeous. But, you know, I know you say it a lot spread, but WTA is a lot more fun when Jeannie's playing well. I think she is too. She's a character. Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of people enjoyed looking at her. So she's got that going for her. She's marketable in many ways. And, uh, I think the WTA is better off if she's playing good tennis. Totally, totally agree. Um, the other person I wanted to hit on here, Diana Ostremska, who we've been talking about for the last week or so, coming off her first tournament win. Um, you know, I know you and I wrote her off quite a bit. We had, um, I know personally, I had Garbine Muguruza to beat her in the second round, um, put a little bit of money on Gasparian to beat her in the third round, you know, during this past week. And I'm just really impressed by the tennis she's playing. Looked absolutely fantastic and, and came out and, you know, even after her first win, continue to play well and look fresh. Excited to see what her, her future looks like. Um, anything else you want to touch on on Luxembourg spread? Yeah, with just Remska, that was one that I'd spotted as a fatigue fader and I'd even post it and um, took Lepchenko there. Um, and I thought it was going to quarter to plan. Just Remska was obviously the better player in the first set and then she seemed to get tired. She lost the second set in a tie break, um, 7-6. And it was 12-10 in the tie break. And you said, okay, she's tired now. Um, the tide has turned. But she went and turned it around. She won the third set in another tie break, 7-5. 
And uh, from there, she never really looked back. So um, that was one of those things where, you know, you know, we try and hit these fatigue fader spots. If you'll look, a lot of people coming off uh, tournament wins due to the uh, travel and celebration don't necessarily always do good the next week. So it really says a lot to her, um, her development, and, you know, her, her, I wouldn't say newfound, but her commitment to the tour uh, to come out and have a performance like she did uh, this week. Really, really impressive. Uh, a fun week in Luxembourg. Let's dive into Moscow, which was a really great tournament. You know, this morning I got a, a chance to watch Daria Kasatkina play. A really fantastic three-set match against Ohms Jabor, uh, Katsikina. A lot of fun to watch this week, and, and really for me what was fun to watch was her coach. Really did a great job, some really memorable moments. I'm sure you guys have seen that on Twitter, and if you haven't, you know, take some time, uh, search it, and see what you can find. Um, you know, Belgian guy by the name of Philip de Haas. Um, take a look at it and see some of his speeches. You know, he did a great speech about her being the Russian wall, which is really fantastic this morning, you know, kind of getting her and, and really been able to put her back online because, you know, a ton of talent when you, when you watch Kasatkina play really seems to have the ability to do a lot of things and moves around and plays a really smart game. So fun to see her win um, in her home country. That match this morning with Ons Jabor was really fantastic. And, you know, Ons Jabor, a name that we're going to have to write down. Um, you know, I were talking a little bit before we got started here about um, how there was, she was somebody that that we enjoyed betting against up until the last few weeks. So what did you think of Moscow spread? Well, I think I'd like to segue a little bit with uh, your comments on uh, Kasatkina and the coaching. And, you know, coaching has obviously become one of the hot topic issues in the uh, WTA this year with the um, Serena Williams uh, issue in the U.S. Open and how that turned out. And uh, really, I thought this was another chance for me as a pro coaching, you know, person who took the pro coaching stance, uh, really showed, you know, the effect that it can have. And, um, you know, we want to see the best product possible. You know, we want to see the best tennis possible. And, you know, in any sport that we turn on, you know, um, we would like to see the best product possible. And with the way these coaches are really able to motivate their players sometimes, help them make adjustments, I just think we're getting higher higher quality of tennis. So, um, you know, we saw that Wimbledon had made the switch this week. Um, they're doing the tie breaks at 12-12 now in the uh, fifth set for men and I assume the third set for women. And, you know, I think this will be a positive change for the Grand Slams too. Let's just go ahead, let them coach from the box, let them come down on court, however you're going to do it. But I'll tell you what, as a uh, handicapper, I love the on-court coaching just as a tool for me to find out what the players think and maybe, you know, what their strategy was going in and are they sticking to it or not. Um, I love the encore coaching, and I'll tell you what, I always turn it up. If, I, you know, if I'm doing anything, it gets all my attention when it comes on because I think you can really glean a lot of information from that. Um, so not to segue too long, obviously a, uh, a great performance by uh, Kasatkina. Um, Jabor was the surprise of the tournament. I did not expect that at all. In the bracket I filled out, I had her losing to <laughs> Ekaterina Makarova in the first round, so I obviously didn't have a very good handle on this tournament to start. Um, Kasatkina, we kind of expected. We had expected a Russian to win. Russians have traditionally run, done well here. And um, I really thought that when she was able to beat Pavlyuchenkova like like she was earlier, I had a really good chance to win the whole tournament. Um, she had a great match against Conta. I think it was closer than the scoreline, 6-4, 6-3. Um, indicated, and I did not watch the match this morning, but WTA TV, they came through this week. I'll be able to watch it on demand tonight as I'm getting ready for these finals in Singapore. Overall, very fun tournament to watch. And, watch, and you know I'm a Kasatkina fan myself, even though, you know, the Panko fans and Kasatkina fans aren't supposed to do that. Like, I'm bad about that. You know, like, I'm a A's fan. I don't care when the Giants win, stuff like that. But um, overall, great tournament in Moscow. Really excited and enjoyed that quite a bit. But let's jump into next week. We have a, quite a bit of fun. We have the WTA Finals, which I'm going to be honest, Brett, I don't know that, that much about. Um, as we started to prep for this, it occurred to me more and more how little I actually know. So why don't you explain to, to me and, and, and the listeners a little bit about what's going to happen this week? All right. So this will be an interesting type of tournament. It will be a round-robin style tournament. So there's eight women total. They've separated into two different uh, groups and they'll each play each other and the um, kind of like the beginning of the World Cup the uh, top two will advance from each group um, into a single elimination single elimination semifinals um, so this is fun and it's been going on for a long time um, and I'll tell you what you know growing up as a, as a fan and you know not having cable as a kid so I watched the majors and that was it I was actually 
pretty much unaware of it. And even in, you know, we spoke before I really started studying tennis heavy for gambling. You know, I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to this event. Um, so in my mind, I don't think it has the prestige that it does amongst, you know, American tennis fans that it does amongst the players. But uh, it's been going on since uh, 1972. Our inaugural champion in 1972 was Chris Everett. So um, that's some interesting trivia there. Uh, this, this tournament's uh, had a lot of fun things. I think the most fun that I had going through to get ready for this was from 1994 to 1998, uh, they played best of five. Um, so I think that's really interesting. You know, we've heard the debate about women playing best of five, but yes, they played in this final um, a best of five from 84 to uh, 98. That's really pretty cool. And, um, do you think they should move back to yeah. that? Do you, do you think there should be five-set women's tournaments? I actually kind of personally, you know, from a handicapping standpoint and kind of frankly being lazy, it's easier that all the tournaments are three sets. I kind of like that. Um, but would you like to see the women play five sets spread? I'm not sure, um, you know, what the differences there would be. Uh, as a fan, I would like it from the novelty perspective, but you're right, as a handicapper, it always throws me off, especially on the men's side when they switch uh, to the best of five because I'm not used to all the, the numbers on the totals and the spreads, you know, a little little more wacky to me. Um, I think from a novelty standpoint, it would be fine, but I don't, I mean, it's not something, I never, I never watch a good three-set women's tennis match and you go, oh boy, you know, if this is best of five, you know, I know sometimes on the men's that they, you know, they'll say that, you know, in Miami or Indian Wells or something like that. Um, personally, I, I, if they switched, I wouldn't really mind that much. Um, I, I don't really think it's necessary. But I did think it was interesting because I was looking through these scores and I'm like, oh, wow, you know. And uh, you see that Martina had won a couple times. And Martina's actually won this tournament the most times out of anybody. Um, she won from uh, 83 to 86 every year. Um, and she has the most titles total with eight tournaments. Yeah, that's um, eight times that she's won. It's, it's interesting thinking about the, the five setters. Um, you know, watching the men's game a little bit myself, I, I tend to be kind of annoyed with those five setters because a lot of times you see people kind of quit on their sets. Frankly, you know, every set is a lot more precious when there's only three of them. And I think what it creates is, you know, I, I think when you have five sets, they're worried about it being a marathon. You know, the difference between three and five. You know, it's only two sets, but it's 40% more tennis than you're used to playing. Um, you know, it's an extra hour and a half of you know almost two hours of tennis that you're playing so I think it, it requires a lot of people to maybe try to save themselves and I think when you have only a three set match you really get the best of everybody for the whole time so I would prefer maybe to keep it three but five would be interesting if they wanted yeah and I think for a tournament like this where all the players are about the same quality it would work I think sometimes it gets tedious in the in the grand slams in the first round where you know the guys just you know, six two, six one, the first two sets. Like you're not really too excited about the right. third. Um, you know, but you get towards the semifinals and the finals. You know, that's when the the best of five really comes into play. So, yeah. uh, not a lot of opinion on that. If they switch to it, you know, it'd be definitely cool from a novelty perspective. From our handicapping perspective, I think it would give us some problems. But I just thought that was something fun um, to note about this tournament. A couple other notes that I had come up with here. Wozniacki won last year, so she is the defending champion. She beat Venus in the final. If you remember, Venus finished 2017 real strong, and it just shows you how much things change year to year because Venus really, um, this year, she really didn't seem um, too formidable, you know, going into the draws and the two tournaments that I really expect her to do well and, you know, being Wimbledon in the U.S. Open, you know, she didn't perform her best, although I think she had the tough draw in the U.S. Open, me and her sister. Um, Sybil Koba won in 2016 and Radwanska won in 2015. The reason I wanted to bring that up is it shows the unpredictable nature of this tournament, um, you know, because I know those two are not two that we would have expected if you look at the years, that uh, the seasons in 2015 and 2016. So for them to come through, I think it shows uh, one thing we will need to be handicapping is the effort from the top players, which ones are going to check out and which ones are really invested in this tournament. And then before that, Serena had won three times she won 2012 2013 2014 and Kvitova won it way back in 2011 so uh overall martinez won the most at eight times and serena's won the second most at five times um so it's a really cool format here 
and we have the two groups, and I think uh, it's about time for us to start breaking yeah, down so these groups. Yeah, so taking a look at it, we've got eight women. In the red group, we have Naomi Osaka, Angelique Kerber, Sloane Stevens, and Kiki Burtons. In the black group, we have Caroline Wozniacki, Petra Kvitova, Carolina Pliskova, and Alina Svitolina. So I think it'll, it'll be good here to spread. Let's dive into each group a little bit, um, you know, give our thoughts on who we think the top two are going to be. Um, not only the top two to advance, but, you know, take a look at the, t at the top two and, and from an odds perspective, kind of who, who we might like. But I think actually at first, let's go through each group, pick our top two, and then we'll pick some um, outright odds when we get done. And we've got kind of our final four. So starting with the red group, um, I'll go ahead and, and jump in here. You know, again, we've got Naomi Osaka, Angelique Kerber, Sloan Stevens, and Kiki Burtons. And, you know, one of the most important questions this time of the year is what mood is Sloan Stevens in? Um, is she motivated? Does she really care about this tournament? Is this something that's important to her? Um, you know, watching her and, and how hard she tries in some of the bigger Masters events um, as well as well as the Grand Slams and really the important tournaments. I think she does have a good sense of history and, and what the importance is in winning events like this. So I am going to handicap this tournament as if Sloane Stevens is, is going to really come out and give a good effort. And with that kind of understanding there, I think that she is in a really good shape to advance out of the top two here. So, you know, once I take Sloane Stevens there as, as my pick for one of the top two that leaves me, Naomi Osaka and Angelique Kerber, I think. You know, Kiki Burton just had a nice year. It's really great that she was able to make it here, but I don't have much interest in picking her to advance in this group. So when I look at Naomi Osaka and Angelique Kerber, um, it's a tough choice, frankly. Uh, Osaka has had a much better year, I think, from a performance standpoint. You know, 32 and 11 on hard courts average and plus 3.7 games almost versus Angelique Kerber, you know, still a good year, 28 and 8, but an average and only plus 2.8 games. So, you know, a much better number for Osaka. What does actually concern me here is, we were talking, you know, also a little bit about this before we started. Uh, this is an interesting tournament from a pressure standpoint. There's a lot of media events, a lot of hanging out with the rest of the group, having dinners, taking a lot of pictures, um, doing a lot of stuff that I don't think that Naomi Osaka, frankly, is really comfortable doing. So, although that she's been kind of heads and tails, I think, you know, above Angelique Kerber on hard courts this year. Uh, it's hard for me to pick her. I'm going to. You know, I'm going to go with Sloane Stevens and Naomi Osaka here, but I would be really, really careful if I was looking at Naomi Osaka this week. When I start to handicap these matches, I'm going to really try to see, you know, get a chance to watch a couple and see where her mental state's at. So what are you thinking for the red group here, Spread? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the experience factor is important. So in the red group, Angelique Kerber is the only one that has made has qualified as singles. Now Kiki Burton's has made it in doubles, but this is her first time uh, as a sing as a singles performer coming here. So I think that will be interesting. And this is not like a, a, the other tournaments. I think there's a little more uh, media obligation and the fact that you don't get um, you know couple rounds to warm up and feel out the surface. I mean you're going up against another top player right off the bat. Um, I think that. That definitely gives uh, Kerber an advantage. And I think another thing to note is that um, Kerber has a, a very good head-to-head -head against uh, Osaka, and Sloan has a very good head-to-head -head against Kerber. Um, this is really interesting how it's going to shake out. And, I, you know, what's funny is uh, I almost I wonder if we're going to do something like I did with Joe Conta last week when I completely wrote her off the tournament and she made it to the semifinals. <laughs> and I, I would not be surprised if Kiki Burtons did it. You know, I said that, that we had no interest in, in backing her financially, but, uh, I mean, how would you be that surprised if she yes. made it out of the round? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that it's crazy. I really, oh, honestly, you would. Okay, I would. See, I um, wouldn't. You know, when you get down uh, <laughs> to these small kind of tournaments, there, there's a lot of pressure, and, and, you know, I think what people are going to talk about this week is, well, it's, it's a lot of pressure here, and it's kind of like a one-and-done thing, and, you know, it could really swing. Well, that's like every tournament. Every tournament's one-and-done. It's... it's you know, bracket-style tournaments, it's the same thing. I think there's actually maybe a little less pressure because, you know, you have the next couple matches you can play if you have a tough first match. Um, but I just, you know, looking at the group, I think the other three women here are head and shoulders above Kiki Burton's. You know, from, from an odds perspective, because I don't think we'll be touching on her after this, you know, we're seeing 11 to 1. Um, you know, in an eight-women field, that's that's a pretty good number. But even at that, I don't I don't think that I'm too interested. So I will stand ground firmly on the Kiki Burtons will not win this island. Okay, cool. And I will. Uh, and like I said, I have no interest in uh, backing her financially. But for the sake of having some uh, good discussion on this podcast, one other thing that I would think is in Kiki's favor here is that. Um, 
the Singapore court has traditionally played very slow. Now, I sent you a report this morning that said they said it was playing a little faster, but still a little faster than very, very slow is still fairly slow. Uh, Kiki is known as a clay court specialist. In fact, um, if you took out 2018 or hard court numbers or abysmal and she pretty much you know was you know make a lot of money off the clay courts and fade her the rest of the year so this is her first year um ascending on the hard courts but i think that the surface will also um fit into her well now who's that matchup gonna help well osaka is the one that i think that it helps against because she's the big power player sloan likes the slower services she doesn't That's mind what i was grinding. gonna say i think Even the slow she surface the actually winners. helps sloan i'm glad you brought that up I think it does too. I think Osaka is the one that I think will be the most hampered um, by the slow surface. But um, almost like you said with Sloan, I think that if Osaka is 100% healthy and focused, um, she's the one to get out of here. So um, just so I don't completely parrot you on my two picks, I'm going to go ahead and take Angelique Kerber, who is uh, experienced. And number two, she's just uh, she's hard, hard courts are her best service. So um, the experience and the way that, you know, with her defensive style game, I think the courts are going to fit into her well. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Angelique Kerber and uh, Naomi Osaka to advance. All right, we'll, we'll keep track of those those couple names. But take a look at the black group here. We've got Caroline Wozniacki, Petra Kvitova, Carolina Pliskova, and Alina Svitolina. I'll let you go first to your spread. Who do you like in the black group? All right, and this is so tough for me because, all right, almost like you did with Burton's, I've already uh, immediately uh, eliminated Svitolina from my uh, – conversations or you know ideas of backing her uh, I'm surprised that uh, uh, Pliskova is so close to her in uh, in the odds for the outrights but um, I've already eliminated uh, Spitalina I already know that I'm picking Wozniacki to advance so I'm coming down to choosing between Kvitova and Pliskova and um, it's such a tough tough match for me uh, to call they've actually played each other um three times and Kvitova has won all three so it's tough because if I'm going off recent form uh, uh, Pliskova has looked a lot better recently she just recently won the indoor hardcore tournament in Tokyo um, and has played well recently um, but Kvitova seems to have her number and Kvitova also performs well against the other top 10 players I think she has um, I think Kvitova or Sloan Stevens has the best record head to head against uh, the other top 10 players this year. So um, it's very tough to do, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Wozniacki and Kvitova. So I think it's funny. You've written off Alina Svitolina. She has some just spectacular numbers on hard courts, you know, averaging plus three and a quarter games, um, almost as good as Wozniacki at plus three and a half. I'll, I'll skip the, to the quick part here. I'm picking Wozniacki, too. I think she's the best player in this field. Uh, she's the defending champion. She's in form playing the last couple months. Um, you know, I have no doubts about her whatsoever. So it comes down to Kvitova, Pliskova, and Svitolina. Um, Carolina Pliskova has had a nice end of the season. Um, frankly, I think she's probably played a little too much tennis these last couple months. She looked a little fried last week, and I just also don't think that she's really in the same class as a lot of these other women. So that's the name I'm kind of tossing out. So it brings me down to Svitolina and Kvitova. And you know, the numbers on Svitolina are just so good. I know that she has a lot of trouble in Grand Slams, and that probably doesn't necessarily bode well for a tournament of this kind of stature. But, you know, kind of the opposite of Naomi Osaka, you talk about someone um, who is enjoys, I think, all this attention. I think she likes all the social media stuff, taking selfies with them, you know, while they're out hanging out in Singapore. Um, you know, she really kind of stands out and I think really enjoys that kind of stuff. So I think she's going to soak up the opportunity to get some attention and possibly be able to, um, you know, put a, a nice, you know, bow on her season a little bit. She's had a tough last couple months. I don't think that she's really won the way that she would maybe expect to. And it's been kind of a disappointing second half of the year. So if she can come out here, have a nice showing. I, I think that really um, lets her kind of finish the year in a place where she can maybe feel a little good about herself. So I'm actually taking Svitolina. I'm going to go Wozniacki and Svitolina to come out of this bottom, uh, to come out of this black group. All right. Well, one that's of right. Be that's right. right. So <laughs> let's talk about it here a little bit from an outright perspective. You know, altogether, um, we came up with six of the eight names, um, you know, in the red group. I took Naomi Osaka and Sloan Stevens. You took Kerber and Osaka. In the black group, I took Wozniacki, Svitolina. You took Wozniacki, Kvitova. So, you know, we kind of toss out Carolina Pliskova, who we're seeing at 7-1, and Kiki Burton's at 11-1. Um, so from an odds perspective now, you know, out of that out of that group spread, who do you like 
from a betting perspective? Where are you putting your money this week? Okay, so it's it's tough for me here because even though I picked against her, I thought the Pliskova when we're looking at the uh, the odds, I thought that she had the most you know quote unquote value. Um, because she didn't really seem to be getting what I would think would be the respect that, uh, that she deserves. She's very close to, um, Svitolina's numbers. Let me make sure that I'm looking at the exact right numbers. I'm going to go ahead and use, um, five dimes of the, um, recent, uh, controversy, but, uh, I'm going to use their numbers. So I'm seeing, uh, Pliskova at plus 700 there. And, um, I think the best value, even though I didn't, picker to advance I mean, Stevens at plus 825 is huge too um, I don't think there's a lot of value at Osaka at plus 325 I think if we're just picking winners to sound cool you know I don't mind um, backing Osaka um, Wozniak at plus 425 I think that does have a little bit of value I mean she seems to be the one that we agree on um, plays her best tennis um, does well you know against these other women and um, you know the surface suits her um, the one I'd worry about there at, for Wozniaki is, um, you know, she has tough head-to-head against Kvitova and, and Svitolina. Um, but I don't mind that at plus 425. Kerber's at plus 550, what I'm seeing. Uh, it's worth a bet there, too. The good thing is we have a little more while to decide. But if I just had to take one right now for the best value, the one that I'd like to give out on the podcast, um, I would go ahead and give out Sloan Stevens at plus 825 because if she decides that she wants to play her best and, you know, we knew, we somehow knew we could get into her head, we can get into her camp, you know, we knew that she was 100% focused, I think that she should be at plus 400. So I think the best value is Sloan Stevens. I love at plus that. I'm totally on board with you there. If Sloan's motivated, that's an absolutely fantastic number. I didn't have to win it. I like Wozniacki. Um, you know, at four. 425. I'm actually seeing plus 450 at Bovada. You know, it puts her right about an implied probability yeah. of 19, 20%. You know, if they play this tournament 10 times, I think she wins it three or four, to be honest. Uh, it sets up nice for her. You know, I, I, from a class perspective, I, I really believe that she's the best player in this field. You know, playing it at just as good a form as anybody. Again, coming off that tournament win, I believe, in Beijing. Um, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be placing a bet on her at 450. Sloane Stevens at 850. I like a lot. And then Alina Svitolina. You know, I, again, spread. I know that you have absolutely no faith in her and you quit on her. Um, but at, at not at nine to one, <laughs> you know, with with the year she's had, 27 to nine on hard courts. Again, plus three and a quarter average game. And you know, I'm quoting all these numbers. Be sure to follow us at Networth WTA. I'll be tweeting out a helpful little table for everybody, so you'll have these numbers in front of you and you, and you can reference them for your own use. But you know, when you get a chance to see them, you will see it. Alina. Fidelina sticks out, you know, as as one of the better players in this tournament. So at nine to one, um, I like that a lot. So uh, you know, try to talk me out of that spread. I I don't think you can, but at nine to one, I think I'm in. Oh, I mean, my main thing to say against is she's only won two matches since the U.S. Open, and um, they weren't high quality victories. So she's not done very well in the Asian swing so far. Even uh, the summer swing, she wasn't her best. Uh, a lot of people are indicating that, you know, it's her most recent diet and getting used to her new body. Um, and if, you, you know, to go ahead and give you the counter argument right there, you know, a lot of people said that about Djokovic too <laughs> before he decided to retake over the men's game. So I don't believe the body stuff as much as other people. I don't see why, you know, being thin and, you know, not carrying the extra weight would is, is that much of a detriment. A lot of people seem to think so. Um, so, I mean... Good, good luck with that one. I definitely will not be joining you on that one. Good luck with that one. That's, that, that, was, that was very heartfelt <laughs> and, and true, and I felt really good about that. So, All right, so in summation, we're looking at, you know, we both agree Sloan Stevens is, is worth a bet at, you know, 8 to 1 or better. We're seeing 8 and 8 and a quarter, maybe 8 and a half to 1, depending on where you are. You know, as always, be sure to shop around. Use as many books as you can to make sure you get the best number. Uh, spread's going to be looking to place a little bet. Um, actually, we both like Sloan Stevens. And we both like Caroline Wozniacki. I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, spread, but at four to one or better, that's that's a pretty good bet as well. Um, and then I will, of course, you know, be standing on alone on Alina Svitolina Island. So I look forward to talking um, actually during the middle of the week. So um, we'll talk about this again sort of toward the end. But we'll, we're actually going to do another pod this week during the middle of the week once the final four is set. You know, like you mentioned, the top two from each group um, advance. And then we kind of have a final four bracket in from there. And we'll be checking in during the middle of the week once that final four is set. 
But for the meantime, we do have four matches on the schedule. For some reason, they didn't want to schedule the whole week out. You know, it's, I think, you know, I would love to sit here and talk for the next, I don't know, hour or so about every single match. But unfortunately, we only have odds for the first eight, uh, four matches. So on Sunday, tomorrow, we'll have Petra Kvitova playing Alinas, Alinas Fidelina. Um, taking a look right now at the odds at Bovada, what I see is uh, Kvitova's minus three games, Fidelina plus three. You know, from a money line perspective, minus 190 on Kvitova, Fidelina plus 150. The total sitting right at 21 and a half. Uh, what are you thinking, spread? Uh, it's moved a little since I changed it. So money's came in on Kvitova, and I think that the reason it's came in on Kvitova is the seven to one head to head against Selena Fidelina. Not to mention the. Uh, the recent form the seven to one head to head jumps out at me because uh i did you know i set it for the for everyone i did the head to heads for everyone and this is by far um the most dominant that we've seen svitolina's win was in 2014 too so um it's funny even though i named myself spread a stare i like the money lines a lot more uh, i had a fun little joke with that on twitter where i changed my mind to money line a stare after all my underdog picks would have covered the spread but then uh but didn't win the money line earlier this week in Moscow and Luxembourg. But um, I think that Kvitova, it's moved. It was minus 165 when I learned early, uh, looked earlier. So obviously money's coming on her. Uh, but even at minus 190, I think she's a good parlay piece, and I feel, feel pretty confident she's going to prevail here. So um, I'll definitely be looking to parlay Kvitova at minus 190. And uh, before the end of the pod, we'll find out who we're going to match her with. I'm going to stay away, I think, from this match. If anything, I kind of lean Svitolina plus three games. just from from a numbers perspective, any times the spread is plus three, you know, you're looking at a money line closer to plus 180, um, maybe plus 170 at the absolute lowest. So, you know, from a value perspective, normally I'm a big money line guy. I like that plus 170, plus 180. Might as well just take you straight up versus the plus three games. But um, I lean Svitolina. and I lean that plus three games. You know, the head-to-head is obviously really, really concerning. I'm going to do some, some digging into that and try to see if I can go back and see kind of what years and, and what surface and you know all that but at the end of the day 701 is a is a pretty um a, a pretty big warning sign if for anyone that, that's going to bet Svitolina so you know the line here probably looks just about right um I, I but I think I'll be kind of staying away you know the total of 21 and a half actually looks a touch high here um you know spread I don't know if you have that head-to-head open in front of you do you have those um eight matches Kvitov and Svitolina have played open in front of you no, I can get it though in a second. Yeah, let's let me see. Yeah, let me see. Pull it up. I'm curious to see. So, from a total perspective, this is really interesting. We have two players that play very different style matches. Fidelina tends to play very, very quick matches versus Kvitova tends to play a little bit longer matches. Um, you know, Fidelina averaging 19 and a half games on hard courts versus Kvitova at 23. So, you know, it's an opportunity actually to you know if you have a real feeling on the way this match is going to go. You know, if you think Kvitova is going to kind to dominate a little more here and, and um, you know, kind of let, let the match maybe come to her a little bit. An over bet might be good here. So taking a look actually at that 7-1. You know, they played in Doha earlier this year, 6-4, 7-5, a total of 22, um, as well as Zuhai um, a couple of years ago, 6-4, 6-2, 6-3, So it looks like they actually play some pretty quicker matches. I might actually, um, again, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more, and, you know, I'll release my picks on Twitter, of course, you can follow me at underscore noops and spread will be releasing any of his stuff i'm sure at spread a stare um, but i'll be digging into this a little more i actually might be looking at under bet here spread under 21 and a half is a pretty solid move in, in the wta you know you really need three sets to go over that number but uh, i'll be leaning maybe towards the under i would lean the under two here the last time Svitolina's won a set and usually to get those overs you know you got to go three and the last time she won a set was in 2015 um so uh, if I if I were to play that, I would definitely okay. play that. So, yeah, I'll dig into that and probably release the under. And you're looking at Kvitova minus 190. Let's see if we can find our parlay partner. Maybe here in this next match, uh, we have Caroline Wozniacki playing. Carolina Pliskova, uh, Wozniacki minus four games on the spread at even money. So a good price there in the minus four. And then a money line of minus 230. Pliskova plus 190 with a total set right at 21 and a half. So what do you think, Wozniacki? You like that as, as your second parla- parlay piece spread? Nope. Actually, if I were to jump in here, I'll finally live up to my uh, spread is there name, and I would like Pliskova here plus four, and my reasoning is that she serves so well. I think that she can uh, keep it close, and even in the set she loses, you know, um, 
maybe even take Wells to a tie break. So when her serve's on, you know, she's very hard to break. Wozniacki obviously has the uh, has the return to do it, but uh, I'm liking the plus four here. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm looking uh, from a numbers perspective. Wozniacki sticks out as a much better player, but um, from a total perspective, I think you're right. The over might look pretty good here. Um, seeing again like i said 21 and a half games if you expect wozniacki to win i think the the over is good so the the ones in looking at their head to head the ones that went under when uh pliskova has won they go under when wozniacki wins um they go over um a lot of three set wins here um for wozniacki on the most recent one although it was 2017 it was here in singapore and it was a seven six six three um, so obviously very close matches, and when they go under is when Pliskova wins or Pliskova. So if you do favor Wozniacki, and from this conversation so far, I'm thinking you do. Um, I'm thinking you're yeah, I kind of like that when I'm thinking about it. You know, normally you're the stylistic guy, but let me lay something out here for you and tell me tell me if you think I'm nuts. Um, you know, the way Wozniacki seems to play, she kind of lets her opponent. You know, if she want, if the, her opponent wants to play powerfully, she's going to let her opponent play powerfully, and you know, keep trying to return things over and over again, but really try to let her opponent beat herself as opposed to. Um, you know, trying to go out and do something crazy. So I think it actually kind of makes sense that when Pliskova comes out and she's on, that she's able to kind of blow away Wozniacki a little bit with some of that power you were talking about. And at the same time, you would end up with a longer match when Wozniacki wins because she's probably really letting Pliskova, you know, play, spray the ball around a little bit and take advantage when she can. So I'm going to look hard at this over 21 and a half. You know, I hate going over 21 and a half. Any number above 21 is just really, really hard for me to swallow. But, um, Given the history and kind of how I think that match is going to go, I think over 21 and a half is a pretty good play. What do you think? Yeah, and when you talk uh, stylistically, when Pliskova or Pliskova has beat her, it's been on faster services in Cincinnati, um, Eastbourne on grass. Um, you know, on the slower ones is the ones where Wozniacki is, has done well, especially here last year. So um, I think you have to take that into account. And I do agree with you on the fact of Wozniacki uh, doesn't necessarily come out and try and dictate the pace. She's perfectly content to uh, let the opponent decide what type of match it will be and um, then go ahead and go from there. She's obviously been known as a pusher, returner, defensive player, whatever you want to call her. But I think one thing that she added this year was uh, the ability to go ahead and put in um, the put-away shots on some of the shorter balls. So uh, if you really do force her to, she's now able to hit winners, whereas before I didn't have as much confidence in her. Um, and I think that's been the main adjustment for her game in 2018 and the reason that she was able to win the slam at the beginning of the year. Um, so stylistically, it should be fun. But if uh, if we get the Pliskova that we got in Tokyo, I mean, this is going to be a fun match. So uh, I'm taking the Pliskova plus four. And uh, it looks, sounds like you'll be on the over. And it should yeah, be a fun I, th- one. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'll think about that Pliskova plus four. That's pretty interesting. You know, looking at the head-to-head, actually, it's it's really interesting. You're right. Either Pliskova wins or they go three sets. And the three sets, it, it you know, it doesn't seem – I'm just looking to see are there any points where the plus four might have lost. So looking at some of their early matches, and it's tough to take anything from 2014, you know, and earlier into credit here. You know, it's we're four or five years later. But there are a couple matches here where, you know, Pliskova wins one set. You know, specifically, I'm looking at Miami from – years ago in 2017 yep, 5 7 so I, I would maybe express yeah. a little bit of caution at that plus four because i think you could have a set in hand and uh be really 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 upset at how that ends so i would actually if you know if you're like plishka i know i hate to talk you out of, out of a spread or maybe even the money line at, at plus 190 but um, i think i'm definitely loving the over the more and more i think about it of the four matches that we're previewing today, I thought the plus 190 had the best underdog money line potential. So that one jumped out to me at first until I kind of looked at the head-to-head and how it matched up to where um, uh, Pliskova just in, on the slower services just doesn't do very well. Yeah, maybe you, you split it up. One of the things I like to do is I'll put a little bit on the on the spread, a little bit on the money line. So maybe something to think about there. So, um, you know, I actually spread here leans Carolina Pliskova. I'm leaning the over. I kind of think Wozniacki wins, but I, I, it's, the more I look at it, the less sure that I am. So we'll be skipping that as a parlay partner. Um, let's dive into the fourth match here. This will actually uh, be, looks like it'll, it'll be on, um, I'm sorry, it'll be on Monday as opposed to Sunday. We've got Angelique Kerber playing Kiki Burton's. Um, the spread here, Kerber minus three, actually feels a little bit short is my immediate reaction to that. Money line at minus 190 and the total at 21 and a half. Um, what do you think here, spread? Uh, I think I found my parlay partner. <laughs> I like Kerber there. 
Um, and I might even jump in on, you know, through, you know, talk about splitting things up. I might do the parlay there with Kvitova and then jump in also on the, the spread minus three. You know that I'm not really sold on Kiki Burton's. Um, I think she had a great summer. Um, but still, this is a whole new experience for her. And then she's going against a really experienced player in Angelique Kerber, um, who's playing on a surface, you know, a slow hard court that's built for Angie Kerber's game. Uh, I like Kerber a lot here. Um, but, uh, you know, fair disclaimer to the, to the listeners, I have, uh, and actually, Noops, you've been uh, guilty of it too. We have been underestimating Kiki Absolutely. Burton's Absolutely. I've been driving the, the fake Kiki train really hard, much to my detriment for a, for about a month and a half there. Um, but I, I like your handicap. I think Burton sh- should win this. You know, the minus three spread kind of looks okay. I'm you sorry, mean uh, Kerber, Kerber should, should win? win. Thank you. Um, yeah. you know, the minus three game spread looks kind of okay. I do like the minus one ninety as a parlay piece. I think that's pretty nice. Um, I might be looking to maybe put that with something else. I, I don't know what I'm going to do there. Um, again, the price looks nice, but you know, I guess Kerber will actually probably be a little closer to minus two twenty or, or deeper if I was lining it. So it's value there at minus one ninety. But I hate having to you know take a straight bet on the juice. So hopefully I can find somebody um, between now and then that I like at minus one ninety to put that with um, you know from a total perspective 21 and a half looks just about dead on both women average about 21.6 games so i'll be staying away from the total there um, our fourth and final match we want to talk about naomi Os- and this is the main That's event right. let's be honest this is the main event of the That's first right. four this matches is the one we're most excited for we hope you know again as you know full disclaimer here we should probably if we can put something at the beginning of the pod even um you know full disclaimer here folks we believe sloan stevens is going to try uh sloan stevens playing naomi osaka and a really really big spread here minus four for naomi osaka and a minus 230 money line um just feels like they're just disrespecting sloan stevens here i don't know what you think spread I agree. The plus 190 seems like a play. I don't, I'm not really too interested in the spread there because I think if Osaka wins, just like most of her other wins, she blows her off the court. And, you know, it would be a sign that we have incorrectly handicapped Sloan Stevens' engagement level here. But at plus 190, I think you're getting great value here. I think that, um, you know, before the U.S. Open, if you told me, <laughs> you know, if we were talking in August and I said I can, I had an opportunity to bet Sloan Stevens at plus 190 against Naomi Osaka, you know, I mean, we'd be, re, you know, refinancing our mortgages and things like that. So uh, it's a great opportunity here. I, I like Stevens at plus 90 here a lot, a plus 190 here. I think the, I think the price is way off. Um, I think it should be like plus 130 at most. So Sloan did beat her in 2016. Their head-to-head is 1-0. to zero. I don't take anything away from that match at all. I don't even um, count it at all. Just worth mentioning for the listeners that because we haven't mentioned head-to-head so much on the other ones. Completely discount it. Don't, doesn't really uh, move into my handicap at all. But um, I think a motivated Sloan Stevens can beat Naomi Osaka. And um, I think that her Osaka's game is going to fit into what Stevens likes to do. So Stevens, even though we think of her as a power player, she does she 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 does no problem at all being the defender, and um, should be a great match. I mean, this could be this could be fun. They could really uh, this could turn into a serving contest uh, very easily. And um, boy, I expect to see a lot of highlights in this match. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most, and I will be uh, putting some money on Sloane Stevens at plus one ninety. I'm totally on board. I think that's an absolutely great price. I don't understand that price. It's you know again, I think as we talked about it, that seems to be handicapped in such a way as if Sloane Stevens is not really going to come out and give 100% effort and that is not a world that we are choosing to live in spread so I'm jumping on board there at the plus 180 and the total of 21 I love I think that is a fantastic spot for the under um, you know as we've we've mentioned a lot of times in some of our tweets and stuff and shout out to our buddy Jeff at uh, JJFSLS2 uh, Jeff is a great guy who, who really put put us uh, pointed us in the direction of these Naomi Osaka unders you know either she comes out and blows away her opponent or she packs it in and goes home um, so i'll be taking the under 21 here as well as the plus 180 with sloan stevens um, th- yeah it's not a total guy i love the under here because you have two players that we that we're having problems handicapping their own motivation um so just when you're looking into that at all if one of them decides not to show up and decides they're here just for a little vacation and their year is done and they're just gonna hit the ball around you know before they get ready for 2019 the under sails through and uh, with either of those players, it's a possibility. So 
Uh, I'd like the under All here right, as so well. Just to recap a little bit, it looks like you've got a parlay with Kvitova and Kerber. Um, I'm going to lean. I, th I think at some point I'll end up on the over uh, 21 uh, over 21 and a half in that match, and then the over 21 and a half in Wozniacki Pliskova. We're both on board for the under 21 and and Sloan Stevens at plus 180. So. Um, did I get it all? Yeah, I awesome. think we got it all. So, like I mentioned actually earlier, our plan is to circle back up. You know, normally we just do a pod once a week, but I think it'll be fun to check in this week once they have the final four set and then break it down the rest of the way. You know, I think we'll have fresh outrights to review at that point and a couple more matches to handicap for you. So be sure to keep a lookout for the podcast during the middle of the week. Like I said, please follow the podcast at NetworthWTA. I'll be tweeting out some information, a little um, helpful handicap card for everybody this week for Singapore. And uh, you can find us both, of course, in our picks. I'll be tweeting out every day and, and spread hopefully every day. I know you've been taking a little break, but um, you can find me at underscore noops and spread it, spread a stare. Um, you know, anything else before I give a, a final shout out to our friend up north? Yeah, I'd want to do something real quick. Uh, just we do know the matches. We just don't have the odds. So I had some fun. I went through and I did the head to heads and I'm going ahead and I'll go ahead and I'll guess who I think is going to be the favorite. And um, just go over their head-to-head. So we know that Kvitova at one point will play Pliskova. Kvitova is, uh, leads the head-to-head 3-0. -head to zero, And my guess there was Kvitova minus 180. What do you think of that guess? Mm, Pliskova, Kvitova, and you had, I'm sorry, Kvitova minus 180? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's pretty dead on. Maybe I would actually have in Kvitova, maybe even a little more favored. But, again, I'm out on Pliskova this week. Right, and the only reason I didn't make it more is uh, just current form. Kvitova, you know, really didn't do too much this Asian swing, and, and, and Pliskova seemed to yeah. play pretty well. So that was the only reason I, I – I, but the head-to-head -head was just too much for me to ignore. That's why I put that one at minus 180. Uh, the next one we'll do is uh, Svitolina and Pliskova. And that one, uh, Pliskova, is ahead 4-3 uh, to three on the head-to-head, -head, although Svitolina is one of the two most recent. Um, but regardless, just due to do, uh, current form – and just her uh, success here in the uh, indoor, you know, indoor Tokyo tournament, I guessed Pliskova minus 150. That's really interesting. I think Svitolina will be favored there, but um, I'll be curious to see what happens at that point. You know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, I was you know, shocked to see that Svitolina was even really an underdog to Kvitova uh, before I heard about that head-to-head. -head. But I think actually Svitolina will be a slight favorite that one, that one. So if I get Svitolina as a dog against Pliskova, I will be very happy. Excellent. So, see, yeah, this is it's kind of fun. You know, almost like the, uh, the guessing the lines that they do yeah. in Mason. The next one will be uh, Woz Kvitova. And on that one, this is the one I think they play each other the most. Kvitova is ahead 8-5. Wow. And Wozniacki hasn't won since 2014. Wow was the last time she beat her. So Kvitova does really well against the top players. A lot of times when she loses, it's surprise exits to, to people we don't expect in these tournaments. But when she advances, she does really well. Um, so my guess here is going to be Kvitova minus 140. What do you think of that? Kvitova minus 140, I, I think that line's dead on. Um, you know, given the head-to-head, -head, I think Kvitova will end up being a slight favorite once it goes off. That head-to-head -head ends up weighing a lot, I think, with the odds makers. But, um, you know, it'll be hard for me not to take Wozniacki plus money. Yeah, and obviously I think this one's going to depend a lot on both how they both look on their first one. Um, but, yeah, I'm also looking if, uh, you know, Wozniacki, you know, uh, struggles against uh, Pliskova in her first match. Uh, I could see we might be able to get some good plus money on Wozniacki there in a must-win situation. Uh, that's going to be a real interesting one. So right now, not knowing anything, I guessed it uh, Kvitova minus 140, but we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that one because there might be some possible value on Wozniacki yep. there. Um, another one with Wozniacki was she will also be playing Alina Svitolina. This is fun because Svitolina is ahead 3-1 to one in the head-to-head, -head, and I think that really shows um, how good Svitolina is when she's on offensively and defensively because a lot of players just can't keep up with the defensive pressure of Wozniacki and the fact that Wozniacki will force them to hit two, three to four, you know, potential winners per point to actually get a winner. Um, but Svitolina, because she's so good defensively, is able to navigate that really well in their head-to-head. Um, regardless, just due to current form and the fact that she's the defending champion, I guessed that Wozniacki would be at minus 140. Yeah, I like that. I think Wozniacki would actually be a little deeper. Um, actually, even going back to your last match a little bit, I think Wozniacki would probably be favored just about every match as the defending champion with the name recognition. But um, I like your line here. I think that's dead on. All right. Cool. Well, that will be a fun one for us. Uh, Kerber Osaka is another one we have uh, that we know that we'll see. And this is uh, interesting because Kerber is ahead 3-1 to one on their on their head-to-head. -head. But here's one where I'm going against it. And just due to current form and the fact that, you know, 
how much she's become a star and they'll probably be expecting you know i don't know how much public money there really is in women's tennis but public money to be coming in on osaka i guessed naomi minus 175 what do you think of that one I think it's, a, it's another good line. It's, I kind of I think I would think long and hard about Kerber. Again, a lot of it will. I yeah, would a lot too. Of it will result if the comebacks at like plus one forty or something yep. like that, I think that that's a Kerber spot, especially on a slower yep, hard court. Totally agree. Uh, I'll be curious to see. That'll be another one that'll make a big difference about how the week's going. You know, as Osaka look like she's having fun and she's engaged. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, if uh, if Osaka gets blown off the court by Sloane Stevens, um, I don't think we'll have that good value here. But if she uh, plays a close match or defeats her, I think the minus 175 will be there. And uh, you'll probably see a couple tweets from us that we're backing Angie Kerber on that one. Um, the next one is the exact opposite almost. It's Angie Kerber versus Sloane Stevens, And Sloane's ahead 4-1, to one, and Kerber's only win was in 2012. So Sloane has beaten her. Uh, pretty much every time they've played recently. So um, on thing that one, I think that the head-to-head is too hard to ignore. My guess was Sloan minus 165. Yeah, I like that. Again, I think it'll maybe be a little bit closer. You know, it's, it seems to be these lines in Asia are really affected by what they think Sloan's motivation is. I could actually see a world where Kerber is even favored in this match, you know, depending on the first couple of days go. So, um if we got Sloan at plus money, I mean, that's, that'd be like the double unit max bomb or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and again, it all depends that on would how be a good opportunity. the first couple of days. So there'll be a big variation in that line for sure. Yeah, I think the hardest ones to guess is going to be Osaka and Sloan because we, they're the ones that I think is hardest to cap the motivation. I mean, w- I, there's no way, right, that we're going to see a disentry as Carolina Wozniacki, right? Correct. I mean, we can already... That's not even part of the handicap. We expect her to show up 100% ready to go. Um, Osaka and Stevens are not that way at all. Uh, moving on, we have Osaka against Burton's. Osaka's only, they've won zero. Um, they've only played once. They don't put a lot into it. And Spread's guess here was Osaka minus 200. That's exactly what I was thinking. 200, maybe even 210 or 220. Yeah, actually, I did this, you know, in our little prep work. But now that I'm, we've been doing it here for a little while and talking through it, I'm thinking it might be closer to two. 240 or 250 um, especially if she looks good in that first one our final one will be Sloan Stevens uh, against Kiki Burton's it's only uh, Sloan beater in 2013 don't really take anything to that but um, you know assuming we have a good uh, good match between Stevens and Osaka in the first round my guess was Stevens minus 180 yeah I like that I think it'll even be a little shorter again you know I know we're making all these lines assuming Sloan's going to be motivated I think the books will be looking at it a different way but the first couple days will be um, really telling so um, another big variant variance line there but I think you know assuming Sloan's motivated she's looking good that's that's a that's an appropriate line all right well yeah I thought that was just like a fun little exercise to get us ready for the rest of the week yeah absolutely um, excuse me for it's kind of cool that we know the, the matches show. are coming up yeah <laughs> So, you know, usually we're guessing, like, hey, we think the semifinals are going to be this. And then, you know, sometimes we've got them right. You know, like we talked about Martich Garcia a couple weeks ago, and that ended up happening. And we had talked about, you know, the potential Vetic Georges match uh, this week that ended up happening. But knowing that these matches are going to happen, I think, makes it a lot more fun. So, overall, I really do like the setup of this tournament. You know, I remember I, I'm not a really big round-robin guy. And even during the World Cup, I don't even really tune in as much during the group stage. Uh, but probably because I'm, <laughs> you know, just the 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 definition of the casual soccer fan you know that tunes into the world cup only um you know and i'm a big tennis guy i love this round robin format so i think it's going to give us a lot of fun matches this week and um they will be on my wta tv so i'll be able to watch them all and uh be looking forward to us reconvening and talking about the semifinalists well, I think that puts a nice little bow on it, and it was lovely talking with you. And, of course, we're going to give a shout-out to uh, someone who will hopefully be rejoining us soon. I, th- I think his um, you know, uh, career in politics is going to be taking a break, hopefully sometime soon. The hardest-working man in Canada, Jorge, who you can find at Jorge Teets Tennyson. And, of course, our apologies to Kelly um, at Big Ten Watto, one of our friends over there at the Ball Boys who considers himself the hardest-working man in Canada. Don't worry, Kelly. You'll have, you'll have your title back soon, I think once Jorge is um, you know off the grind a little bit so um, shout out as always to Jorge Uh, we miss you buddy and look forward to hopefully having you back sooner rather than later so um, thanks for listening everybody have a great week enjoy the show and we'll be back sooner than normal so talk to you in the middle of the week yep good luck with all your wagers